Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Good evening and welcome to All the Things. I am Monique Dusan. Yes, let's have some applause. Yes. Live. And this is the show where we discuss all the things related to God, the Bible, and real life. And we doing it the same way we do it on the show. You got to say, and I am Krista Bontrager, and also I'm, known as... I was getting to that part. You, 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 you just you interrupted me. Out of order. Out of order. At, as out per order. usual, this is the, the opening is messy. All right. Rebuke. And I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom, and we are broadcasting live from Spanish River Church. Yes! In Boca Raton, Florida, at the Women in Apologetics Conference, we all survived COVID, yes. and here we are, yes. in person. We have always wanted to do a live show, and so here we are. I can't believe it. I know. It's like a dream come true. I know. Two years ago, when we were at Biola, you know, we, we would have never. No. No. I was barely getting you to do the show two years ago at Biola. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> but look what the Lord has done. <laughs> yes. Oh, my word. Now, if you are watching this show at home and you do not have the opportunity to be with us here in person, you can support our show by giving it a thumbs up, liking it, sharing it with your friends. I say share it with an enemy. The Lord is still working on my sanctification. <laughs> so if you got somebody you want to bother, go ahead and just <laughs> slip that in their DMs. Yes, share the show. Give us a thumbs up. Write a review. Follow us on social media. Do all the things. That's right. Bother. Really? I am a work in progress, honey. Yes, I will bother you. <laughs> okay, so we have an awesome show tonight. We've entitled this show, Equipping Parents to Raise Biblically-Minded Kids in a Secular Culture. So why don't you uh, introduce us to our guest, our very special guest. She is very, very special. Now, I remember, Lanesh Garrison. I remember Lanesh Garrison from Sigma Chi Dorm at Biola University. Lanesh has a little sister, and her name is Lanell, and we were not roommates, but we were floor mates. And I remember Lanesh would come by along with their auntie, Dr. Tolbert. And when they were coming, like, y'all, you had to be ready because these were like, they had already graduated. And um, it, Dr. Tolbert, like, a, a, for me, it was like I had never met a black doctor anybody ever in my life. And Dr. Tolbert is like pristine and she has a briefcase and she dresses nice. She always and wears suits. Yes. I remember her. We were at seminary together. And when she walked on the floor, it was it didn't matter who you were. Everybody knew that she was and we we got like like notification. Linnell would be like she coming. And we we made sure our rooms were clean. I remember Linnell's roommate making sure her room was clean. And so I just go back and I think about the times of being in Sigma and seeing you and now just like looking at Linnell and looking at you and kids and all of that. And I'm just like, look at the Lord. That was yesterday. <laughs> yes. Kinda. Yesterday. Kinda. 
So, uh, Linnell has an MA in Laneige. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about your sister. Sorry. That's okay. She is cute. Laneige, she's my, you know, in your heart. Laneige has an MA in philosophy and ethics from Biola. Crystal was like, man, she took the hard route. She was like, that's much respect. Yes. <laughs> Um, and you are an apologist, a speaker, an author, a mom, a wife, a sister, an aunt, many, many, many things. And so thank you for joining us in this conversation. Thank you for having me. Well, so for those who might not be uh, acquainted with you, we always like to start by getting to know you a little bit. So give us a little thumbnail about who you are and what you're up to. Well, I'm hailing from the desert where it's Nice and warm there, 105. And uh, I have three boys, Josiah, Judah, and Jeremiah. My oldest just turned 15, scared. And um, I'm married to Matt Garrison. We met at Biola in our undergrad career and dated for a long time. And, and then I was always, I actually went to Biola in undergrad to be an actress. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. And God was like, oh, no, nice. That's <laughs> not what you're doing. Um, and so I'll leave out the acting bit for a while. But as I was waiting, we, I was in a production. I started volunteering at a church and um, trying to figure out, like, what does God, what is he calling me to do? And God just kind of brought this all out, um, this ministry. But I feel like when I talk to people, like, from undergrad, and I'm, they know I'm doing apologetics. They always tell me, they go, oh, yeah, I can see it. Because I did debate in undergrad, which I encourage. Get your kids involved in debate. There's thousands of untapped debate scholarships, I tell my son every day. Um, so, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a sports mom. My, all my boys are involved in sports, and my husband is piling them on, and I'm removing them because <laughs> I control the money. So... Um, <laughs> So that, that's kind of what I do, you know, learning to balance everything and doing ministry. And uh, I teach at our high school. I teach a biblical worldview class, Christian worldview. And that is my favorite thing to do um, to prepare the high school students. So I only teach it to the seniors, but it's a class that I use to prepare them to go off into college. And I would say that has been the most, that has brought me the most joy in doing apologetics, seeing the impact of when we educate our children, like the effect that it has. And they, I mean, they come to me year after year. Mrs. Garrison, you're right. I go, I know. <laughs> you know, I'm right. Now, now I, I have a question for Lanesh. Go ahead. Now, when I met Monique back in 2017. The devil is a lie. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I drug her to the standard reason uh, reality conference. And she, she says to me, this is all white people. This is a white thing. Uh, apologetics is for white people. So she had never heard of it. She didn't know what it was. I said, it's not for white people. It's for everybody. It's for all Christians, right? And now look at you. <laughs> If we could all please extend a hand this way in prayer. <laughs> yes, this is, these were my 
informative thoughts. But I am curious, like, what was your journey into apologetics? Because I tricked her. Right. So, Wink and bamboozles. <laughs> Led astray. Yes, so I would like to, to hear, you know, what the Lord's path was for you to, to come into, you know, worldview training and apologetics. Well, initially, so as I was waiting on hiatus, I was uh, part, of a pro, part of a play, and the play was on hold, so we couldn't work or audition. And so... I started working with an abstinence organization, and my mom is an abstinence advocate. She's written books, How to Raise Your Kids to Be Sexually Pure. Uh, the mantra when I was growing up, you go down the aisle a virgin or in a coffin, so no pressure. Um, and so abstinence education was always a big thing in our household. So I started working for this abstinence called the ABLE Project, and they had the Title Five or Nine funding. Um, back in the day. And so we would go into the public school systems and we would do our presentations, you know, tell all the stats and try to convince youth not to have sex. And our presentation, right? Our presentations, I mean, it's not like they're church kids, like they halfway love God, nothing. And so our presentations, they were good. I was doing really good in my presentation. But I'll never forget one time, uh, this kid, he stood up and he was like, okay, so, I've got the stats, I understand why, but why should I? And I looked and I was like, uh, why should, and there was no, I had nothing to give him, because he couldn't talk about God. Um, the teachers were in the room and they were already kind of talking over us. They hated the fact that we were even teaching abstinence. And so at that point, I was like, there's gotta be something else to give him and I need to go back to school. Mm. And so I actually went to one seminary that will go unnamed and was having a very difficult time with the theology. And I talked to a friend of mine, one conversation, Rodney Scott and Kayla Scott, who are my lifelong prayer partners. And in one conversation with Rodney Scott, I left that seminary and enrolled into the philosophy of religion and ethics program at Biola and left all those credits and started completely over um, and there were no African-American women in there, but Rodney was African-American man and he graduated from the program and he said, you need to do this. And this is what God is calling you to. And I was like, is it? Because I don't know the words they're saying. <laughs> this is not English. What are they saying? Um, but it, it I, I don't wanna say transform, it, it completed the call. I was like, ah, this, this is what, this is what I'm called to do. That's so good. That's amazing. Now, I just listened to your talk, um, Would Jesus Support CRT? And you literally had me wanting to, to shout over there. I said, come on and preach, yes. But my question is, as many churches are being taken over to a degree by many of the critical theories, not just critical race theory or critical queer theory, right. but critical child studies, critical feminist theory, like all of these different critical social theories. How can parents raise strong children to um, either stand against this or be equipped to understand what's happening? I think the first thing we have to do is we have to be equipped. Um, and we have, to, we have to know what we're talking about. You know, studying critical race theory there's all of these terms and all of these ideas that are embedded within terms that unless you know those terms, you don't even know that that's what someone means when they say cultural diversity. Because when I hear that, I'm like, yes, I'm for cultural diversity, but that's not quite what they mean 
in the context of this theory. And so when we hear these terms, we need to be equipped and be ready to um, just ask questions. I think first, especially with our churches, when our churches are saying these things, ask our pastors, what do you mean when you're saying that? What, do you, what does this mean? And give me a scripture. <laughs> This needs to be biblically based. And any time and critical theory, regardless of what it is, is the focus of the church and it's not the gospel, we've now got a problem. Because no theory should be what's fueling the church's mission. The church's mission is to go out and preach the gospel and to win souls for Christ, not to support any particular theory. Even though it might seem like a good thing, that's not the church's goal. But can the church have other programs? Yes, but are they biblically founded and biblically based? And so, like with my kids, we talk about this stuff. Um, my kids, I remember, and, and you know, like I said, I put my kids in counseling later because we've made mistakes. But I, at one time, my kids came home making fun of slavery. And I was like, what? What are you saying? And they were some joke that they heard on campus. And so I said, are we making fun of slavery? Are we making fun of what someone went through? Let me show you a clip from Amistad. So maybe not the best. Um, That's one way. It, it was just, listen, I'm a little radical. It was just a small clip, but you know, the five-year-old did cry. <laughs> Grace, <laughs> Grace. Um, but, I, but we, I try to have conversations with them about stuff. Like when they hear stuff, I'm not afraid. And even if I don't know answers, because I don't know the answers to everything, um, <laughs> I don't tell them that. But, you know, we, we pray and we ask questions, always ask questions. Like that's kind of the Socratic method even in school and education. And some of the best schools teach kids how to ask the right questions so that we can get to the right solutions, which is critical thinking, which is what we don't want to do. I... I'm a follow-up, okay. and then you can come on. Okay. In, okay? Right. I love that. I love the fact that you said that, you know, churches shouldn't be based on these theoretical frameworks. We need to make sure we have a Bible verse for it. Right. I would say we also need to make sure that we have the Bible verse in context. Right. Don't just take one Bible verse. I lived my whole life on Micah 6, 8. It don't mean what I thought it meant. <laughs> I was like, this not what that means. Yeah. So making sure that we understand the word of God in context. And this is a big thing because like, uh, like I was talking to someone about critical race theory and they were saying, well, you know, but God's ways are higher than our ways. It's from Isaiah 55. And I said, oh, that's not what that means. <laughs> right? That doesn't mean that God is not noble. God is saying you when he says my ways are higher than your ways, he's talking about sin. And he's saying, what you call sin and what I call sin are different. And you need to agree with me that when I say something is sin, is sin. Why? Because my ways and my standards are higher than your standards. That has nothing to do with our ability to know and understand God. But we misapply. And when we misapply, we have wrong expectations. And then when we have wrong expectations, we don't have the right outcome. And then we say God hasn't kept his word. And then we walk away from the church. Bad hermeneutics. Girl, you just brought us all the way around. <laughs> Girl, go ahead. All right, go ahead. What was you going to say? Sorry. Well, I, I love what you said right at the beginning of the importance of parents being equipped because often what I find, and I've been working in apologetics for a really long time, and, and so I've 
had to wrestle with this question. I get this question a lot of, you know, advice for parents. But I think you just absolutely nailed it, you know, that it starts with the parents. Too often we're looking for the magical curriculum or the magical book that we can give our child that will fix the problem or inoculate them from a secular ideology. And I, my position after working in apologetics for two and a half decades is that curriculum or book needs a context and that context is provided by the parent. And so that curriculum will not inoculate that child. It will not fix the quote unquote problem if the parent isn't acting as the first resource. And it, the parent being equipped is just a vital foundation. Now, the parent doesn't have to have the same level that you and Monique have of the mastery of critical race theory, but to have, and that's what's great about your ministries, is you're equipping everyday people to, to know some basic people, language, definitions, because they don't maybe have time to, to read all the books, but some of the books, mm -hmm. you know. But we have to know what's out there. And I just think that's so vital. And that's what Deuteronomy says. And, and like my parenting model, because I, I wish I could say like at our house, like we have Bible study every morning over coffee. I have three boys. Like I, I think two are saved, one, eh. <laughs> Like I, like I have, like, it's not like it's a perfect thing. So I have to figure out, like my mother, when I was adopted, had to figure out, okay, she hates Bible study. I hated Bible study as a kid when my mother wanted to do it. And so she had to figure out, okay, how can I get the word in her without her knowing I'm teaching her? And so that's what Deuteronomy says, when you lie down, when you wake up. And so, like, listen, I will use Fortnite as a tool. My kids know Anything and everything that comes up, I will point them back to truth. Like they hear stuff. We, oh, what were we watching? We were watching some like cartoon with an avatar and they were like chanting or something. I said, you know, that's Hinduism, you know? And they're like, mom, can we watch? I know, but I just need you to recognize what they're saying. And who are they saying about who God is? And they're like, we got it. Like, okay. So that it's like all the time, like you just, you bring it up to them. So they, they're aware of the things that are out there. So they know, don't be bringing trolls up to me because that little one chants. <laughs> he does, and he says, um, and that's in bar. Don't get me started, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, ahead. <laughs> Go to the next question. Sorry, I'm throwing you guys off, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm having my own thoughts too. Okay. <laughs> because while, while we equip parents to understand these frameworks, Part of, and I, I want to get your, your thought on this, um, part of what I feel like God has me equipping people and encouraging parents to do is also to raise bold kids. Like, we don't want to raise a generation of wimps. And, you know, like, if your kid can't take being called a name, because, trust me, the names are going to be called. The word racist is going to fly. How do we... I think that's, that's where my mind was going of like, you know, we need to also, yes, parents need to be aware of what's happening. Have these conversations with your kids, but also know that it's okay to raise bold kids, a child who doesn't have to sit under the idea that, you know, 
well, I'm white, so I'm just a racist. Or I am black or um, any ethnic minority, and so these are the automatic challenges I'm gonna face. I don't know if you, that was just what was going through my well, head. If you, I wanna I just add to that a little bit, is I would love to hear from both of you like what your moms did to help you be courageous and bold. You can go ahead. <laughs> well, I've a ton of thoughts. So in, in regards to like being called names, but also being called one of the most polarizing names, because pretty soon just to be called a Christian is going to be um, challenging. Yeah, yeah. And so, and this is, listen, I work with students. I work with high school students and I work through with a K through 12 school. And the thing that we need to do is we need to teach our children to be holy. To be holy means to be set apart. And we have to train our kids to be comfortable with not being like the world. So for instance, my son, he's, and, and this is gonna sound crazy, he's 15 years old and he doesn't have a cell phone. Amen Why? to this, yes. Why doesn't he have a cell phone? Because I know the research. I know what happens. I know that the sooner kids get cell phones, the more likely they are to engage in sexual activity, the more likely they are to be bullied, the more like, I sit in the class and I watch kids fall asleep in English. I'm like, why are you falling asleep? Because you're on your phone all night, because you're playing video games all night. So we have to help our kids learn to stand apart right here. And sometimes, you know, I'll be honest, I sometimes do things with my kids, even if I don't necessarily disagree with it, but just because I want them to be different. Just because I need you to learn to stand here when everybody else has it and you do not. Be, be different than everyone else and find out who you are. You don't have to be like the crowd. And we really have to train, and that's how you train leaders, is to be different and to be, not, to be willing to be not like everyone else. Um, yeah. But don't get me started on this cell phone issue. Well, we should have That's you back good. for a whole show because I'm ready to do yeah. a whole live stream about the cell phone issue. That's very good. Uh, yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, like, because you're really on this thing right now about, about parents being courageous. Like, you don't seem to have any problems with that. And no. what, what is it that your mother did in, in training you or what conversations did she have that and my mother was completely secular. I know. Let's just be honest. But, and uh, and I'll, get, I'll get to that in just a second. I do think that in looking at boldness, that idea of righteousness or be holy, that is a lot of what is behind that. Like we see, if you go into Target right now or maybe Walmart or any of these like pop stores, everything is be kind. And I just want to take a marker and like write, like scratch it out and say be holy. You know, and I tell Chris this all the time, like, I think we might even do a shirt, like, be holy, be righteous, because kind is the culture's definition of kind. It's not kind to speak It's truth. the new moral code. It is. It is yeah. the new moral code. I just but, read it was the 11th commandment. I forget yeah. one of those books I read. Vodi Bakum. I think it was Vodi. Yeah. Good job. My uncle, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he says, you know, like, that's the 11th, this kindness thing is the 11th commandment. And it's like, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean when, you, when you're telling me to be kind, yet you have it really big on your shirt? Be kind! Well, I'm like, no, can we be holy? Can we be righteous? Can we get back to something that actually has a standard? But to me, that 
there, there has to be a, a level of boldness with that. You, it, it's going to take a level of courage to be holy. It takes a level of courage, a level of knowing who you are, understanding your identity, to actually stand in righteousness, to stand for something. Um, now, what did my mother do? My mother, God bless her. She, 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 it was, it was probably abusive. I probably should be talking to somebody right about now. Listen, but, yeah. listen, some yeah. of us have just you confessed. Know. Um, she would always tell me, Kiki, can, this is my, this is my family name. Look, I'm putting it out there for everybody to see. Okay. Kiki, you don't need to be afraid until I get afraid and I'm not afraid. Kiki, you don't let people talk to you any kind of way. Kiki, if this is right, you stand for what is right. You don't just go along with the crowd just because you're going to jump off. And she would say, you're going to jump off a mountain. All your friends jump off the cliff. You're going to jump off too. You need to be somebody different. And when I wasn't someone different, I was in trouble. If I wasn't, if I wasn't standing for the right things and doing the right things, then I would get in trouble. She would not allow me to passively sit by and not use my voice when my voice needed to be used. And when and you say you would be in trouble, you would be punished. I would be, I would be punished. I would be in trouble. I remember riding a bus one day, and this lady kept kicking the back of my seat. And I told my mom, I was like, Mom, and I was, y'all, I was like in second or third grade. <laughs> I told you I should be talking to somebody. Um, and she was like, well, tell the lady to stop kicking your seat. And I was like, well, can't you tell her? She was like, no, you need to tell her to stop kicking your seat. And so I turned around, and I told the lady, please stop kicking my seat. It really bothers me. And she kind of blew me off, and I turned around, and I just kind of was like, oh. and I, my mother just like literally watched it all play out, and the woman turned around, and she here kicking my seat again. It's just knocking my little eight, nine-year-old self. And I told her, I was like, she's still kicking my seat. And my mother said, you need to turn around and tell her not to kick your seat, and this time you need to tell her like you mean it. And at nine years old, I turned around, and I went all the way off on this lady. <laughs> Now, my mother didn't mean that. <laughs> she did not mean for that to happen. But these are, these are some of the ways in which my mother raised me to know, one, you stand for what's true. You can speak up for yourself. You don't have to let people treat you any kind of way because you don't deserve to be treated that way. And so when I think about raising this generation now, because I also I have three nephews. My, my brother has three boys. And, you know, I'm like, how do we raise them to know who they are and to be able to stand. How do we raise a generation to stand? A generation that's not gonna be easily tossed to and fro, so. By not being their friends. Be their parent. Yes! Be their parent. Yes, the Bible says Mm -hmm. raise them in the way that they should go, not in the way that you went, in the way that they should Mm -hmm. go. Don't be afraid to set boundaries because, and I tell, I tell my kids all the time, when I discipline them, I go, I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I love you. And mommy and daddy, we're doing the best that we can because we love you. And they're like, I know you love me, but I'm like, I know it's difficult. It's difficult. Yes, but we love you. So do the dishes. Yes. Ooh, Pauline, that, was my, that is my mother. She, her number one line, honey, I'm not one of your little friends. Honey, we can become friends when you pay a light bill, a gas bill, a phone bill, some rent. Until then, we not friends. Yes. Go ahead. But it's true. But I think that's really helpful because you can say something like, be bold, be courageous, but you got to paint the picture a little bit. And I think it's helpful to hear kind of those tangible 
tangible stories. Don't have your kids going off on people on the bus. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> or the Uber. Oh, do yeah. they even bus anymore? Uber. Oh, yeah. There it is. Mm-hmm. Don't have them going off on the Uber driver. I think, though, as we're thinking about this question of raising kids, strong kids who are strong in their faith in the midst of a secular world, even the messaging in the church is often, um, I think the churchy version of be kind is be winsome. And everything is about being winsome now. And I'm starting to really like not like that word because it's, it's become the church version of, you know, well, it's all about your tone. Well, sometimes, I like what you say sometimes is speaking the truth in love isn't necessarily about a tone. Teaching your child to speak the truth in love means sometimes they have to speak the truth and let it fall where it may. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. You know, I think the... I'll defend the church on one hand um, because it's very difficult to lead us because there is a really perfect church and no one goes there. Exactly. So, and so it's, it's difficult as a church and, a, and as an organization to try to communicate and teach people how to change and tell them, okay, do this. Like that's a difficult We're all a work call. in progress. Right, yeah. you know. The church is um, sinners. The church is the parent to us. And we parent kids. We see how difficult that is. Yeah. Imagine parenting adults. It's even, you know, more difficult. And so on, on one hand, it's admirable that the church is trying to get us to be more aware of our behavior. Um, on the other hand, kindness without change and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is secularism. And like this idea to be kind, I I was teaching a worldview class and I had a girl and she was struggling with her identity and she stood up to the class and she said, um, you know, her name was Jean and she said, everyone call me James. And she said after that, and please be kind to me. And the whole class said, oh, yes. Now it's a class full of atheists and um, Buddhists and Hindus and witches and Catholics and all of these people. And so after everyone introduced themselves, I said, you guys, um, do you all believe that truth is relative? Like, is there objective truth? No, there is no objective truth. There is no, and I made a note to myself. And the last day of class, because throughout the whole class, they wanted me, they wanted to know what my religion was and I wouldn't tell them. And so the last day of class, I brought this back up to them. And I said, not one of you thinks that truth is subjective. What? I said, all of you believe in objective truth. And you know what the objective truth, you know how I know? I said, because when he stood up and it was a she, but I said a he for them. When he stood up, you all agreed that kindness was the objective standard about our behavior. And so you all want a law, but you don't want a lawgiver. And so that's where this idea comes from. And so the church has to, like, if you have that, connect it to the gospel mm. and connect it to being transformed. Because we can't just be these things. If the holy, like, if we could just be kind, it'd be really great. But we cannot be these things. And that's what I tell my kids in parenting. Like, I'm, I say, I'm training you to do the right things, but the person I want you to become is I can't do it. 
I, I can't make you. I can teach you how to do good, good and bad and teach you the difference, but your character is who you are when no one's looking, when mommy and daddy aren't there, and that's who you are. And that's what that I want you to want to change. And you have to learn to go to God and say, like when they get in trouble, I say, and they say, I'm sorry. I go, that's fine. I appreciate you saying you're sorry to me. But the first person you need to apologize to and you need to repent to the Lord because you sinned against God first. And that's where the repentance begins. And then you can come and talk to me and get your punishment. But <laughs> discipline. But that, but, but setting the hierarchy for them like this is the standard and then this is you know how we fall that's good that is good we're almost at time um can you give us some tips on how to because i know i know you said you know you use creative methods to get scripture into your children what are some creative ways that parents can keep their kids biblically minded or get scripture into their children so even though they don't like um, necessarily to have like corporate Bible study time, um, the first thing is we go to church. Do we miss Sundays? Of course, everybody misses Sundays, but they know that church is a priority. And I do make them try to, especially during the summertime, give God five minutes. That Give God five minutes. Give, before you get on a device, before you do anything, you give God five minutes. And then they have to see us giving God five minutes. So. I try and you know you go up and down, you know, like good days and non-busy days and busy days. But the first thing is I want them to learn and be comfortable with opening up the word or opening up a devotional and reading and then talking about it. And another thing that I think is really important, which is really difficult for our family, is not is having dinner together and having conversations and listening to their day. And so they can learn biblical truths and they don't even realize it because we're teaching them as they're talking about how they're interacting. And so if we get really busy, I'm really sure, like when we get in the car, nobody, there's no radio. Like when we get in the car, we're talking. Let's talk, let's have conversation. What, what is going on with your day? And, and just trying to use all types of different means. And I really do use their cartoons. I use Fortnite, anything that comes up um, but all of these devices are also all in public spaces. They take no devices in their rooms because I know the enemy's out to kill, steal, and destroy, and this is a distraction, so we're going to keep it all out in the open so that I can hear what's going on. Um, but it's constant engagement, and that's what's exhausting because I can't be doing this all the time. I have to be there with them. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think... You know, I'm on the other end of parenting now as an empty nester, and um, I, I would say the same thing about devices is um, have everything in public in a common shared space. Nobody has television or devices in their rooms, and I think that that made a really big difference for my kids. Um, when things came up, we were able to catch it quick, and we were able to... Um, reorient their hearts toward, you know, the things of the Lord a lot quicker. Right. Um, but it's, it is a struggle in this age because the enemy has a plan for our kids. And I think that just as we tell our children, God has a purpose and a destiny for your life. We also, as their parent, has to be aware that the enemy also has 
a plan for their life mm -hmm. for destruction and to bring things across their path that that can be very difficult and um i think as a parent on the other side of 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 that you know as, as i've watched my kids transition into adulthood um i don't regret not letting them have devices i don't look back and think gosh i wish i had given them that phone when they were right. younger i i i don't regret that um i think that it's it's a it's a tough issue in this day and age but um i'm the older i'm getting and the more letters we get into the ministry the more it confirms to me um how the enemy all too often uses um that portal into our home and so being vigilant about that but that also requires like you said our own personal vigilance as parents mm -hmm. of what we're doing and what our distractions are and how the lord's going to have to grow us in that so yeah it's parenting is tough these days there's just no two ways about it not for the weak it is not for sissies no mm -mm. it is not well this has been fun this now i want to do all the shows in person <laughs> Forget Zoom. <laughs> this is so much more fun. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot my mic. Yeah, we're not at home. We got to have the mics. I know. So, yes. well, thank you so much, Lanej. This has been wonderful. Thanks for. Yes. Thank you all. So, tell people you. how they can follow you, how they can engage with your ministry, and all of that stuff. So, I'm terrible on social media. I have someone helping me. Um, but I'm on Instagram. Oh, and I just launched my website. Uh, lanejgarrison.org and we're still adding to it and on I don't, what is it called your IG hash what is your Instagram called just Instagram Instagram, Instagram. okay don't say it like that um, <laughs> I'm on Instagram and on Facebook and what else is there? oh Twitter yes and um, when you this show will actually release on Saturday um, so if you want to get her Instagram handle or Facebook um, handle or things like that. You can actually watch the show. You can see her after, um, but we will make sure that all of that information and how you can get in contact with Lanej is on our show as well. Yeah, so very good. May the Lord bless you and multiply all of your efforts. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you for yes. having me. Thank you. Thank all right, you. friends, now we have one final surprise before we go. We're gonna see if this works or bombs. Uh, under your chair, under two lucky chairs, is a card for our curriculum. The Center for Reco Biblical Unity for Center curriculum. for Biblical Unity curriculum is reconciled. We have a six-week curriculum. So if it's not under your chair, it might be under the chair next to you. But there are two. There are two, and it's sort of in this area. Here's one. All right. All nice. right. It's sort of there. there it is. Is. So if you fill that out and bring it up, then we'll give, give you a free copy of our curriculum, Reconciled. You can check it out on our website at centerforbiblicalunity.com. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.